Well, this morning I'm excited to continue on in our sermon series in the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we'll be if you want to turn there. Uh, how many of you remember about three weeks ago, maybe, yeah, about three weeks ago, January 13th is actually the day, there was a, uh, an emergency alert that went out in Hawaii. And I don't know, I don't live in Hawaii, but I think this would make me want to move. Uh, when I see this, notice ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Now, you grew up, I'm sure, doing fire drills and tornado drills. Do they do tornado drills in New Jersey? No. We did them in Ohio, which I never understood tornado drills, because you would go into the hallway and cover your head like this. And I'm not sure how that protects you uh, from a tornado. But can you imagine being in Hawaii? And they, they, we've all seen the tests on the emergency broadcast system. Imagine when the emergency, we, right now we just find it annoying when it happens. You, you interrupt your TV show. But imagine all of a sudden it says, this is not a drill. What do you do? What do you do? Now, obviously this turned out to be a big error, a big mistake. This was a mistake on human uh, efforts. But here's when an emergency broadcast goes out, it went out on people's cell phones. It went on social media. It went on to TV stations. Every place it was on the radio. The emergency broadcast system was activated. And when the emergency broadcast system is activated, it hits every form of social media and uh, you know, news. And it, it does everything it can. It wants to get everybody's attention when something important has happened that everybody needs to pay attention to. Right? That's what it does. John chapter 6, about Jesus feeding the 5,000, is that type of message. Do you know why I know that? Because it is the only one of Jesus' miracles that is in all four Gospels. Many of them are in three, some of them are in two. Uh, There are some that are unique to individual Gospels. But John chapter 6 is the only miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. Do you know what that says to me? It's really important. Now, everything in the Bible is important, obviously, right? Those are important. But if it makes it into all four Gospel writers' version of what happened with Jesus, I think it's something we need to stop and ask, why is it there? What lessons can we learn from it? What principles can we learn from it? What's the, what's the big takeaway from it? And so many of us might not realize that, you know, I don't want to do a big old Bible uh, class, but, you know, John is the most unique of the Gospels. It has the, the, the fewest, it has the least amount of overlap of the four Gospels. And so when you, when you look at the Gospels, there's the, the Bible college term is the synoptic Gospels talks about where they overlap. When they do the synoptic gospels, they don't even include John. It's just Matthew, Mark, and Luke because John is that unique. And so John felt this was a significant enough event that he needed to highlight it as well. Now, uh, Jesus walking on water and coming to the disciples in the boat, that comes in close because that's in three gospels, but Luke left it out. And so today we want to talk about John chapter 6 verses 1 through 15. So let me, let me read that to you and share that with you and then we'll go back through it um, so that we can talk about it uh, together. In John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. 
And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, where, should we buy, well, where shall we buy uh, bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fishes. But how will that go? How far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So it says 5,000 men. We understand that women and children weren't counted. So it's probably 10, 15,000 people there. That's, that's a lot. Um, Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed the, to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After, Jesus saw, after the people saw Jesus performed, they said, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. We've, we've, you, you're probably familiar with the other three gospel accounts. Mark's version spends more time talking about the, the actual uh, food. What, what was provided beforehand. And other, they, other aspects highlight different things. Like in, in Matthew, it talks about how they, laid down, they, they told him to sit down in the green grass, kind of reflecting the Psalms where it says, he leads me by still pastures. There's things that are, are highlighted in this where we see different aspects of the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's all sorts of elements that we could highlight and point out in this. But what I want to do this morning is talk about some of the key principles, I think, that really are important for us to grab onto today. The first one I want us to understand, so very important for us to recognize. You know, Jesus cares about spiritual and physical needs. Jesus cares about our spiritual and our physical needs. He cares about both. You know, we hear so much about Jesus' teaching. We hear so much about Jesus' miracles, which is wonderful. But here, we can get caught up in the miracle of Jesus multiplying the loaves and fishes and forget why he did it. People were hungry. People need to be fed. People needed a kind hand. I think one of the most important things we as Christians can remember is that Jesus cares for our physical needs. He cares for our spiritual needs. You know this as well as I do. If somebody is hungry, they don't care what you have to say. If you're, listen, if, if that's why we have service at 10 o'clock in the morning and not right at noon. Because if you're sitting there waiting for lunch... You all your, that's, that's why we don't go over a long time. We, go, we, we sit there and we listen, we talk, because we want you to get the most out of the service. And so if you need a Snickers bar, bring it with you. But these people didn't have that option. And Jesus knew that they wouldn't hear the message that he was going to share, the message he was going to preach, if they were hungry, if people are needy, if we don't meet that need. 
they don't care what you say. We as Christians want to preach the gospel, and we should preach the gospel. At all times, preach the gospel. But if we're not helping people in their physical need, they might not listen to the message that we have. That's why I love, our, our, I love the House of Blessing. That's a, that's a great thing that we do. The, every, it, it's, it's open three days a week, one Wednesday a month, and in the evenings. Uh, it, it's, we have a great crew that volunteers over there, but it serves physical needs. But we added a new component um, this, this month or this year uh, that we're starting to do a Bible study because we don't want to just meet pe- people's physical need. We need to do them hand in hand. We want to meet their physical need and their spiritual need. One of the things that we're looking at talking about as a church is what other physical needs can we meet? We're talking about developing a, uh, a program that helps people get their GED or complete English as a second language. That's why we offer the finance class as well, so that we can help people manage their money better. We're looking at ways that we can help adults that need a better job to teach them interviewing skills, to help them build resumes. This is part of the gospel, believe it or not. Helping people grow in life, helping people move forward in life, relying on what Christ has given us so that we can help them improve. That is who we need to be as a church. We need to be spiritual people. Don't get me wrong. We need to be spiritual people. We need to love worshiping in God's presence. We need to love spending time with him. We need to believe in the power of prayer. But at the same time, we need to be actively involved in reaching out and helping those that need our help. And it's not always the poor that we we often automatically go to think about helping the poor. Sometimes it's our neighbor. Our next door neighbor needs somebody to help them move a couch. Our next door neighbor needs somebody to mow their their lawn because they're not able There's all sorts of ways that we can help the physical needs of people. And this is such a good reminder in the book of John here, and actually in all the Gospels, is that Jesus cares about our physical and spiritual needs. That should be encouraging. That should be encouraging. Because oftentimes we think that the church is just concerned about our soul. Listen, I am concerned about everybody's soul. But I want to make sure that you, your needs are being met. And we don't do that as individuals. We do that as a group corporately. We help one-on-one and one, but we also help corporately. I love what it said in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were all together. They shared their resources. They shared what they had. It says actually several places in Acts where they were all together in one accord and sharing what God had given them. That, That is so essential to the gospel. So essential. People don't really necessarily want to hear what you have to say if they think you do not care about them. We show our care in tangible ways, in physical ways. That's one of the things I I love about our church. I love about our church. You know, there's always opportunities for churches to grow and improve. There's always opportunities for churches to uh, continue to move forward. I love one of the things that everyone says about our church when they come. They, they all have the good report. And I don't think they're just saying this to say it. But everyone notates how friendly our church is. That's a good thing. Pat yourself, pat yourself on the back. It's good to be a friendly church. Because when you are a friendly church, people know you care. You're concerned. That's a good thing to be a friendly church. We want to continue to make people feel welcome. Listen, we, sometimes we get so spiritual about stuff 
We're thinking, well, we should, we should just, you know, bless God, deal with what the circumstances are. But, you know, how many of you enjoy our service because the pews are padded? As opposed to, how many, how many went to a church with an old wooden pew? How many of you enjoy service on a padded pew so much more than an old wooden pew? Yeah. Yeah. How, how many of you are thankful that, I'm, I'm personally thankful, I have a microphone and I don't have to just shout at the top of my lungs. There's things that we do that are physically important that help us connect with people. How many of you like the fact that we have a beautiful facility? Yeah, yeah. This is one of the churches I was on staff at out in California. When it was founded in the early 1900s, the church started in a brush arbor. Can you imagine what winter, now you can do that in Southern California, but can you imagine what winter would be like meeting outside here in New Jersey? We would have much smaller crowds. Physical needs matter. There's all sorts of things that we do to accommodate helping people to hear the gospel. If people can't hear it because of their need, we miss an opportunity. Jesus cares about our physical and spiritual need. That is an encouraging thing because I love meeting people's needs, helping them how we can. And for us to do that as a church, it's individuals like yourself being motivated be Jesus' hands extended. That's how we minister to people in their needs. That's encouraging to me. Now, as we look here in the gospel, it's always wonderful when you, when you look at various versions and different uh, messages in this. John left something out that was in the other three gospels, but I don't want us to miss it today because I think it's so very important in this conversation. Jesus, in, in, in John, Jesus initiates the conversation and says, well, where are we going to find the bread? Where are we going to get, you know, where are we going to do this? And Philip said, you know, it's going to take too much money to do this. In the other Gospels, the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, we got all these people. You need to send them away because we, we, we don't have enough food for them. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, no, we don't need to send them away. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Actually, Matthew 14, 16, Mark 6, 37, and Luke 9, 13 all say the same thing. You give them something to eat. What a, what a big task. You've you're, you got, you got 12 guys and 15,000 people. That's, that's a big task, isn't it? To say, hey, I, we, we, got, we got five chunks of bread, two fishes. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Here's the thing that Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't just testing the disciples. Jesus was inviting them to participate with him. Jesus does the same thing to us. Jesus invites us to participate with him. In the book of John, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he invited the disciples to say, you give them something to eat. And if you look at the distribution of the food, we don't see Jesus out there passing out baskets. Jesus performed the miracle, but Jesus allowed the disciples and those that were with him to distribute the food, to distribute those resources that people needed. Jesus invited people to be with him when a miracle happen. What a great invitation. What a great invitation because you know people see the miracle that Jesus does, but who do they say thank you? They say thank you to the one that gives them the bread. They say thank you to the one that was there to meet that need. They don't necessarily know all of the things that go into. When people come to the house of blessing, when people come here for benevolence, they say thank you to the church. They don't know you individually. 
that how you contributed, how you helped, how you supported. They say thank you to the church. In this instance, Jesus performed the miracle, but who got the thank you? The disciples, as they distributed out the food. Jesus invites us to participate with him. But even more so, this is such a good reminder, because this was a training This was a training. This was a time that Jesus was developing his disciples to show them what was possible, to show them what could happen, because he knew that coming in the near future, he was not going to be with them. And many people, they spend no time preparing for when they're on their own and alone and not with somebody to help them. But here the disciples were with Jesus, and Jesus said, you give them something to eat and then show to them a great miracle. And it reminded me of what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12. In John 14, verse 12, Here's what it says. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work I have been doing. Jesus showed them a great miracle, didn't he? He invited them to participate with him. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. The reason Jesus invites us to participate with us is to prepare us for the works that he has set before us. God has called us to meet the needs of people. God has called us to great things. God has called us to be a part of this world so that we can minister to others, so that we can share the gospel. And he invites us to participate with him for the time when we find ourselves without the training wheels on our bike. And God says, all right, you're the one ministering today. And you say, Pastor, I would never want to preach. That's okay. There's more ways to minister than just preaching on a Sunday. Every single day, you serve the needs of others. Every single day that you tell somebody, Jesus loves you, you're ministering. But sometimes we lack a boldness. Sometimes we lack lack confidence. We feel shy. We feel insecure. And I'm sure you felt that moment where you're sitting at work or sitting on the bus or sitting at a restaurant And you felt the Holy Spirit prompt you to say, this person needs someone to pray for them. This this person needs an encouraging word. Maybe you said something, maybe you didn't. Those are moments where God has said, here's even the greater things. We have the opportunity to minister with Jesus. He invites us to participate with him every single day day. But here's the long-term promise. They will do even greater things than these. Think about what we've seen. We've seen Jesus multiply food. We've seen Jesus heal the lame man after 38 years. We've seen Jesus do all these amazing miracles. When, we say, when he says you'll do these greater things, we're not doing them in our own name. We're not doing them in our own power. Who we're, we're doing it by the power of Jesus and the authority of God. But oftentimes we miss the greater things because we haven't prepared ourselves. Jesus invites us to participate with him because he wants us to be ready in that moment when we need to respond. We're never really alone. We're never really by ourselves. He's always with us. He's always with us. Now remember, this this is coming out of the miracle that Jesus did that was shared in all four Gospels. 
God invites us, Jesus invites us to, prepare, to participate with him. Jesus cares about people's spiritual and physical needs. He wants us to do his work. He wants us to do his work. Jesus doesn't need us to do his work. He wants us to do his work. I remember as a kid, one of my my favorite things, um, initially one of my favorite things, was going to my dad's cabinet shop. My dad um, owned Carl's Cabinet Shop, and uh, my dad's name is Mickey. So he owned Carl's Cabinet Shop. He bought it from my grandpa, who was named Fred. And um, Carl died in, like, 1948. My grandpa bought it in, like, 1952. Um, But I loved going to the cabinet shop to work with my dad. I loved it. He'd show me how to do stuff. He'd show me how to do things. And then as I got older, um, one of my primary jobs became sweeping the cabinet shop. I didn't like that as much. Uh, Because you know what cabinet shops produce? Dust. They produce dust. They don't make cabinets. They make dust. And so it was, but it was one of my great joys in life is when my dad would explain to me how to do something. How he would explain to me, this is why we do that. This is why we do this. I love, Bennett asks so many questions. And he asks, he asks good questions. He asks, you know, why do we do this? How does this work? How does this happen? Um, you know, we, he, and he's, he's grabbing onto it. He's asking these questions. And I, so I love those moments. Jesus loves those moments. When we ask him, Jesus, how do we do this? How do I minister to that person? How do I touch that life? How can I share you? Jesus participates with us. He invites us to minister with him. And you might think this morning, I don't have much to offer. I don't have much to offer. That's why I love the offering talk this morning um, that Ellen did talking about in Romans where it talks about everyone has a different gifting. You have gifts that I don't have. I have gifts that you don't have. We all have different gifts. But here's one of the principles that we can take from this story in the Gospels. We understand he didn't have much, but little can be much if we give it to Jesus. You might think, I, I don't speak well, I, I don't I can't sing, I can't do anything up front, but you can serve. You can pass out an invite card here at Easter in a few weeks. You can invite someone to church. You can take somebody's trash can to the street. You can help somebody put their groceries in their car. Little can be much if we give it to Jesus. If we give it to Jesus. That's why when we talk about offering and tithes and giving, we never talk about you should give X number of dollars. Because that's not a reasonable expectation. The reality is God wants us to give generously of our time, our talents, and our money so that he can use it. But here's the thing. Little can be more, little can be much if we give it to Jesus. Those five loaves and two fishes fed anywhere between ten to 20,000 people. And there was food left over. There was food left over. Jesus takes what we give to him and multiplies it. 
Jesus takes what we give to him and multiplies it. Now, here's the, here's the important thing I want us to understand in this statement. Jesus takes what we give. It's not Jesus takes what we have. Jesus takes what we give to him and multiply it. We understand everything belongs to Jesus, right? It is all his. The creator of the world, the creator of the universe, it's all his. But he still asks us to give. He invites us to participate with him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you have gifts, you have talents, you have resources that are needed so that somebody can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your creativity, your unique thoughts, Jesus needs those. Your energy, your effort, your willingness to serve, Jesus needs those. Now it said, up in the beginning part there, it said, where, where shall we buy bread for these to eat? And Jesus answered in 6, it says, He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus knows how he wants to use your gifts and your talents. Jesus knows. What's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? He knows the plans he has for us. But too often times, too often we hold it back. We hang on to it. And we say, you know, I got I to take care of myself. Imagine if that small boy had said, you know what? Five loaves and two fishes. Jesus, I can feed you. But everybody else is out of luck. If Jesus had only been the one that somebody was worried about, but what did that little boy do? The little boy said, here, this is everything I have. Was the little boy left out hungry? No. Jesus takes what we give to him and multiply it. And he's inviting us all to do the same thing today. I think the, uh, oftentimes it's easy to overlook. Jesus obviously is the hero of the story. But he had, he had multiple participants, didn't he? He invited the disciples to participate. The little boy that gave his lunch. What an amazing miracle. And it's so easy sometimes to miss the elements that led into that miracle. We're invited to participate with Jesus. What a glorious invitation to say, God, I don't have much, but what I have, I give to you. I give to you. Jesus takes that, multiplies it, increases it, and uses it far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And so this morning, I just have a simple question for you. What, what are the loaves and fishes Jesus needs you to give? What are the loaves and fishes that you have that Jesus needs you to give? If Jesus knows the plans that he has for you to prosper you for a future, 
If Jesus invites us to participate alongside of him, if Jesus wants us to do his work, what is it that we're hanging on to that we could give to Jesus and say, here, God, please multiply it, not for my glory, not for my honor, not so I get a pat on the back or a big thanks, but so that you are glorified, so that you are lifted up. Jesus invites us. Jesus invites us. But like any invitation, it has to be accepted. You have to accept that invitation that says, yes, I have a gift. I have a talent. That parable of the talents. The servant that buried the talent in the sand or the dirt. What did he do? He lost it. He's given us gifts, abilities, and resources so that we can share the gospel.